Loops in a Contract, and welcome to this episode of So What Do You Do, where myself, Jen Staben, and Joyce, she's over there. Hello, hello. <laughs> I am over here. <laughs> she's over there. And we talk to people in different careers each week to find out what other ways there are to make money. And this is usually when I introduce us as hosts, but I went out of order today. It's okay. Hi, we're hosts. Hi, we're hosts. Um, <laughs> yeah, we still both don't have jobs. Yep. Uh, Living the fabulous life. Oh, my gosh. I am. <laughs> I am not doing good. Oh, man. Oh, what's going I mean, on? I mean, I'm fine. I just don't have money. You know what I was looking into the other day? Well, with uh, – not to like get right off the bat with possibly something like polarizing, but Ooh. I saw that a bunch of government workers were quitting in masses because yep. of the vaccine mandates. Yeah. And I was like, um, does that mean there's some government jobs? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw that there was like a masonry job. Uh, I was like, oh. yeah. I yeah, like I, I talked about this last time. Were you? Yeah, were we talking about this, or was someone else? Because I feel like I was just talking to someone about this too. <laughs> it might have been me, and it might have been on our non-recorded call. But I figure, like in LA, I, I like I would guess that these jobs are not in California. Oh no! I mean, like there's tons of people leaving city of LA jobs. Because really? they're being required to get vaccinated. Oh, I thought LA would be liberal enough to not have a problem with that, but oh no, oh no, oh no! I was following a TikTok the other day, and everyone was like, "Uh, they were talking about the news, and people were like, thank God I'm not in California." I'm like, oh, whatever, I don't care. <laughs> Nothing matters anymore. Um. <laughs> Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm fine and I'm good. Uh, Joyce, is <laughs> your existential crisis treating you? Oh, you know, same. I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> we're, we're like this is episode seven into this, and it's like I feel like this is also tracking our slow decline. <laughs> I think that'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting after a while to listen back on our first episode and be like, man, we were so hopeful. <laughs> By the end, we're just, I keep on joking about how society is just going to collapse. Um, no, don't joke about that. Cause then it might oh happen. <laughs> that's how things work. Oh my gosh. But it might though. And that's fine. And I'm, I'm starting to um, vet out people that I think might be good in my post-society colony. <laughs> Oh, this is uh, why you've been studying Survivor. Uh, that and a million dollars would be super cool. But uh, that's to say if I want it. But uh, yeah, no, Survivor I think would be helpful in just things that would be useful. And you know what? I don't know if I'm forcing this segue, but we're going to go there. I feel like based off of the Instagram video that I saw of our guest today oh i see that this you're... person i see yeah mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i would fully invite them to my post-societal colony because mm -hmm. they uh they seem very strong mm -hmm. um i feel like 
Uh, they could probably do anything. Uh, just mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I saw them like lift their body uh, up. I, it's amazing. Let's welcome our guest this week, who is a personal trainer, Sybil Lamb. Woo-hoo! Yay! Hello, hello. Hi, Sybil. Hi. Hi, Sybil. <laughs> so do you agree? Would you Would you want to be part of this post-existential crisis I don't know what oh, it is. Colony. Survival. Yeah, survivor group. <laughs> For sure. I think I have enough anger accrued over the shutdown. I need oh to my gosh. You know, put it out. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. I was recently reading that, and I, I'm sorry to always push Artist Way back in this, but the chapter I'm on on Artist Way, it's talking about how you need to follow the anger and understand what the anger is and then yep. like let that be your guide. Yep. Yep. Sybil, how does that how does that resonate with you? I think it makes sense for a lot of the decisions I've been making lately. <laughs> it sounds like you're making decisions in the affirmative then. You're following your anger and deciding from that. Yes, yes. Mostly because in the past, I, I've never been someone who gets angry. I just get sad. I kind of internalize oh. my anger until it becomes kind of miasmic. And then Ooh. I just start crying instead. So try to be a little more proactive, you know, <laughs> use the energy of the anger instead of just holding it in. That's incredible. And also miasmic. <laughs> like Probably poisonous. Probably the best word every, ever used on this podcast. Poisonous. Wait, wow. poisonous? Yeah, yeah. I thought you said miasmic, and I was it like, "It is, I did, but that it means poisonous." <gasps> miasmic. Oh, I would have. Oh, I'm going through some stuff right now. Uh, because <laughs> I I sometimes use words that I don't know if they actually mean what I think they mean. Uh, and then I thought that that might have been what you just did, but actually, no, you were just really smart and uh, you used the word correctly. So, Sybil, um, <laughs> you are a personal trainer. Um, as if I was a five-year-old, explain to me what being a personal trainer is. I get to help people get stronger. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. And Mm -hmm. how do people find you? Like what, I feel like that would be one of the bigger challenges getting into this is like, okay, you've got that goal. Um, how do people seek you out to start this journey with you? Oh, that's a loaded question because there's a lot of different ways. And um, I would say most trainers should start at a big box gym, big box, meaning like a big corporate gym. So 24 hour would be one planet fitness. Mm. Does planet fitness even have trainers? I don't know. We, everyone oh, trashes planet fitness. <laughs> they do. So, oh, well, maybe yeah. they don't, but yeah, um, I, I hear it. Equinox yeah. would be one uh, in shape, just LA Fitness, for example, pretty much what that means is you're going to go in, they'll hire you as a trainer, assuming you're certified. And it's a great place to start because you pretty much have clients fed to you. You know, anytime Mm, someone signs up, they always offer a starter package, like three free sessions or something, get a free assessment. And your job as the trainer, and this is going to sound like kind of salesy, but your job is to close it. You know, you need to prove that you know that you're worth their investment in you. And um, usually after those first couple initial sessions, if you can convince that potential client to stay with you, then you get one, right? Mm. And if your closing rate is pretty high, 
chances are you can carry that skill outside of the gym where you won't get as much foot traffic and as much Mm. of a chance to practice, you know, your sales pitch. Mm. I have a lot of follow-up questions to that. Yeah. But I also want to take a step back. What, what got you into this? Mm. Um, so if we're going to back way up, it's just, <laughs> Take I got a there. <laughs> really fancy liberal arts degree. Mm. Um, so had nothing to do with it. Cause I, I want to be a writer, a fiction writer, but that Ooh. doesn't earn any money. So I went into tech and I worked at the documentation team for a couple years, but I was not happy. So, uh, but I, I stuck it out to make my parents happy. You know, mm. that first mm. generation immigrant parents situation. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. um, after I left the job, I was trying to write full time, but it's very solitary and it's just uh, a little lonely after a while. You know, you're just stuck mm-hmm. in your head all day. So mm-hmm. I started weight training and that's kind of what started. But added to that is I grew up as a competitive gymnast. So oh, yeah. I have, yeah. I definitely have the background where I'm very comfortable moving my body. So, mm-hmm. and it felt more unusual not to be moving. And I did have my very long sedentary periods. I knew I have people coming up like, oh, you're so lucky you've been, I'm like, no, no, no. I've been there where you gained that 15, 20 pounds. I couldn't hang on a bar. Couldn't like do a push up anymore. I'd put a lot of weight on and lost a lot of muscle. So I'm like, no, I, I, I get it. <laughs> been there. So I, I feel with these things where it's like, this is something that we do to keep ourselves mentally stable, like working out and all of that. What brings you to the point where you make the decision to make it a career? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say most trainers get in it for the money. No. Oh. <laughs> it's like, well, really? <laughs> no. No one gets into training for the money. It is not a money maker. Actually, you lose a lot of trainers. Um, most trainers that first join, uh, we all usually, A, they have a passion for fitness of some sort. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, either normally they've been through some kind of crucible, maybe something in their life that uh, was very difficult for them. And it was doing some kind of sport or weightlifting that really lifted them out of it. And seeing mm-hmm. that transformation in themselves usually inspires them to try to help others that way. Uh, yeah. So that's a really also common one you'll hear. Um, or that person lost a lot of weight. You know, they, they used to be maybe obese and, and through a lot of hard work and dedication. So they want to help others as well. So oftentimes, anytime you meet a trainer, if they're willing to, if they're doing it full time, it chances are they've been through some kind of journey like that and they hope mm-hmm. to help out other people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It almost seems like every trainer has kind of a Avenger-like origin story. <laughs> that's a very nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> also, I haven't watched all the Avengers. I don't know if that's the right, but if, if it sounds like there isn't just someone where it's like, oh, I don't fucking care. I'll be a trainer. Like it, it doesn't sound like that's really the type of person that would fall into this type of career. Yeah. You get weeded out pretty quick in okay. that case cuz you'll you'll definitely see that new influx of trainers you know the young 20 year old <laughs> who pretty much doesn't have to do anything at that age anyways to look like they're in shape so uh. they lift a couple weights suddenly they they feel like they look better and then they start giving training advice and some of them will go out and actually get certification so that's good for them but they're usually doing it part time you know it's something on the side uh, cuz it's a lot of work it's a lot of 
interacting with people of many different Mm -hmm. who've walked many different walks of life, you know, and Mm -hmm. if you have, if you can't relate to them, they won't want to keep working with you because your clients in some ways see you more than they see their own family, especially if they're seeing Mm -hmm. you two to three times a week and they're paying you as well. So you're really there. You have to be someone they want to spend time with first Mm -hmm. of all. So if you're like, only 20, not, not saying every 20 year old is like this, but if you haven't had enough, you know, life experience to really be able to talk to many different types of people, it can be really difficult. And then on top of that, you still have to prove you're a good trainer, right? If you don't actually bring the results, they're not going to want to keep training with you anyways. Yeah. Right. right. Which but means are, that you, oh, sorry. Sorry. Just, go ahead. I, no, I've been talking too much already. <laughs> no, I was, I was gonna, um, I was gonna ask a quick question about, uh, because of the 20 somethings, you know, like, um, I know you and I have already talked about this, but I'm like, kind of curious, uh, what are they called? The fitness influencers? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, it's funny that you say that there needs to be a lot of like that passion as well as that dedication behind it. Because I always thought, um, a lot of the fitness influencers that I see and, and even like young trainers that I see, um, I, it seems like it's more kind of like a second thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at that age, especially when their frontal lobe isn't even developed yet. <laughs> so, Yo, so fired, Gen Z. Yeah, and I say this because, like, like no cap, like I was no in cap. a really no <laughs> cap. <We're> there. <laughs> I was in. I was that twenty-year-old when I like from eighteen to twenty-three. I was extremely self-absorbed, but not in the kind of fitness influencer way. I and this is, I guess, like quote unquote my kind of little crucible. It's like I was extremely depressed. I was suicidal mm-hmm. many times. I was abusing laxatives, so I was binging and oh, purging, gosh. and it is just not a good place. But I've every everyone kind of has a version of that they go through either like at some point in their life, and when you're in it, you don't hear or see anyone else right so Mm. and when you're 20 so many of them are still figuring out what they want to do and some of them have a better handle than others they don't do what I did you know have a healthier Mm -hmm. approach um but it's it's hard to figure out what you really want to do when you're just really that young right yeah so so the fact that it's a second thought I don't actually blame them I think that's okay they're just trying it out right Uh, but I just don't want them to have a big head about it. <laughs> well, it also makes me think about what you were saying that the in-person training requires that level of EQ and being able to have that conversation. Whereas if it's one-sided, it's just creating content outwards and being able to kind of pick and choose maybe what's being responded to. It seems like that skill set that you were talking about isn't needed as much when it's just kind of putting out content that's like, hey look at what you could be too. For Mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a huge range of fitness influencers. There are some that really are amazing. You know, you can tell that they know their shit and they actually care about what they're doing and they're trying to uh, give out proper information. And then yes, there's plenty who just give you all the thirst traps. So they get the followers, Mm -hmm. but in the end, the real question, this is where most people don't see, right? They see the number of followers the influencers have. But then the influencer at some point, usually because they have enough followers, they're like, let me go put out a coaching program. <laughs> and right. they've never like actually trained anyone in their life. 
Um, and so usually they'll like shoot too high. They'll be like, I'm taking on 50 clients and I'm looking at it like, how are you going to, what are you serious? Do you know how much F, like work that takes? Um, mm. And then they'll usually give some kind of cookie cutter routine and then people get yeah. angry. So there's definitely been um, some fitness scandals on Instagram, like among oh. the fitness industry that Grandma. different. Yeah, for sure. You hear about it. You're like, did you hear about so-and-so? Like, and the one I just talked to was, was very similar to that. Like she was like, I'm going to give you on one-on-one coaching. People sign up. So people did. And she could not deliver. She, she promised way too much and couldn't deliver any of it. And when people started comparing notes, kind of like what they were getting, they realized we're all getting the same program. And she promised mm. us customized programs. Uh, so oh. yeah, she had to like refund everyone. And, um, and the last part is just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean you have a lot of engagement. Um, so you could um. have like 500,000 people who just love the picture of your butt. But then when you release that Hell yeah. workout, no one buys it, right? Because no one, no one cared enough about you as in terms of your competence as a trainer. They just cared because you look good. Yeah. And, and so mm. you could have a like much smaller number of followers and, you know, do much better than, yeah. than like a 500K. So then like, I think I always thought of um, the hardest part of being a personal trainer is the working out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but like, I, I guess like, what would you say is the hardest part of training? Is it the programming? Is it like, like all the time that you said it takes to like put together those customized programs or or something um, else. So this is obviously a very subjective answer I'm going to give you. And yeah. it makes me think of when you interviewed Andrea, teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, my answer is very similar. The hardest part is actually interacting with the person. Uh, it's really easy for me to program now because it's actually, it's very straightforward. It's like just straight up biomechanics. It's things I've studied. Like if this part is injured, we should work on this. That makes a lot of sense. But each person, when you walk in, their energy is different. They have a different background. I have to, I talk to each person differently. I remember their gra- grandchildren's mm. names. I ask about that. You know, you have to fill in the time. Like if an, it's an hour session, you do maybe like 30 seconds to 60 seconds of work. Then you rest for two to three minutes. What are you going to oh, do for yeah. two to three minutes? You have to actually like talk to them. And And that kind of feels a little bit on this, not on the sales side, because it sounds like it's for you when you talk about it, it's obvious that you are looking to engage with them personally. But if you don't do that, chances are they're not going to come back. So it's, it kind of feels twofold in that regard. It's a little bit, yeah, both. And it really is very dependent on the client. So you have some clients Mm -hmm. where they're very technical, they're all business. So I spend most of my time actually explaining why we did a certain exercise, the benefits of that exercise. So right. it's it's very transactional and they're trying to get as much as they can out of that hour, which is totally fine. And then I have others where, you know, you become their granddaughter and they're just mm-hmm. asking about you and telling you about things they read. And I really enjoy talking to them. Like mm-hmm. some of my older clients, they've lived so many more lives than I have ever lived so far, you know, and they're giving me romance advice. And and I just kind of love it. I bet they get nasty. (laughs) So it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, And I want to add just like on the side, like I also coach gymnastics. So Mm. I work with kids as well. So like that in itself is also just a lot. It's a different type of energy than you would bring to a client who's 30 versus a client who's 50 versus a client who's 80. Right. Every person you just kind of 
you bring in a different persona, but it's still you, you know, just, just, you kind of, you, that's you like customize full, it. Like <laughs> that's the full spectrum of people. Yeah. Old to young. <laughs> like that's everyone. Uh, now that you, you're talking about the becoming their granddaughter type of thing brings me back to a question I was going to ask. Do you ever have to set boundaries with clients that might be considering the, given the frequency of when you're meeting with them, that they're wanting to, they're seeing it more of as a friendship and maybe it's not mm. comfortable for you? Like, how do you handle that? Or is that something that really even comes up? Um, For me, it has not come up quite enough. <laughs> it, yeah. like, not enough just, it doesn't happen because I think I'm naturally very... I don't share a lot about myself naturally. Mm So I I share just enough, but most Mm -hmm. of the time I'm there to listen to them. Yeah. So I think that naturally sets a implied boundary where, you know, because you're getting through the whole session and my goal kind of, and, and again, it depends on the client. They hired you so you can decide on what they need to do to get to a certain goal or just to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of the session, they kind of want to forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so as long as they had a good time. And so by the end, they, they don't even really realize how much they've told me in some ways and how yeah. little they still know about me, but which is not bad. It's, it's my personal choice. Some, some other yeah. trainers, you know, they get really close with their clients, um, mm-hmm. but, but it depends. Yeah. Well, interesting. So one of the things that came to mind when thinking about this career was, the idea that, you know, your physical appearance as a personal trainer seems like it is inevitable. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in considering that in a career, uh, I think of almost it like being an actress or a model where that's something mm-hmm. that you need to maintain even when you're not working. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right take on it, but I know that when I consider it, I'm like, that would be the barrier for me because that's so stressful. And, mm-hmm. um, and especially, you know, with what you shared, like it's, it, it sounds like a lot of individuals that go into this uh, kind of have their background as to why they got here and it might not always be easy. So can you talk to me a little bit about kind of the, your own personal appearance as it pertains to you being able to get clients? you maintaining that, like how you are able to deal with that? Yeah. Uh, I really like this question because it is something I've, especially during the shutdown, when it first shut mm-hmm. down, everyone has their own way of um, kind of coping. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had one trainer who told me that he, he put on like 10 pounds in mm-hmm. two weeks because he was mm-hmm. drinking so much mm-hmm. um, because every, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so was probably, thousands of other people right but yeah we were more he was a little more concerned because he's a trainer he needs to like you said look a certain way and for sure I I did the same I ate a lot of pizza Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to deal with it and 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 burgers and stuff and and it was hard uh to do that um and I also think it kind of depends on your age Mm. and the kind of clientele you wish to get so overall Mm. yes the answer is yes. The more you look like what you should be representing, the more likely that other person will trust what you're going to say, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it means you kind of walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, on the other hand, it is not, it's not mandatory because yeah. if, and this is where the age kind of comes in. So if I were 
maybe like 40 or 50, I don't have to look at the same shape as like a 20 or 30 year old because I've done Mm -hmm. the time. And usually by the time I'm talking to them, based on my experience, based on what I tell them, and hopefully the confidence I would have had by the time I'm in another 20, 30 years, um, it can speak for itself, right? I would have a whole list of clients already to to prove mm-hmm. that I am I am very effective of what I do. And ideally I'd still be living a very healthy lifestyle. I just am not looking like a bodybuilder anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but when you are a little bit younger it it, it can help cuz you kind of represent a little bit of the ideal that they're trying to reach sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um oftentimes though and this might sound surprising, most people don't want to look like what you look like. <laughs> Right. That's, yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting cuz like like yeah, what you're saying is that in some in some groups of customers, like you are the product that you're selling almost. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're almost like a result of like the product. You're like, "Hey, look what I can do for myself. I can yep. do it for you." kind of thing. But like but but that's not necessarily true for uh, like another subset of clients that you're talking about where it's like they don't want to necessarily look exactly like you. Yeah, most most people they don't want to look like me, for example, or or anyone else cuz they know, especially after we've talked to them, they know it takes way too much work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'm like, "Good. Good. I'm actually really happy about that because the goal is to create a sustainable routine for them, right? So they can go and do other hobbies and live their life and have like just the life that they want." You know, I chose the life I wanted and it just happens to involve a little bit more time that involves lifting weights and other stuff. But I like mm-hmm. it. But if you think about it that way, like they, if they imitated that lifestyle, would they be happy? Probably not. And genetics do play a part as well. Some people are just more genetically gifted to carry more muscle or, or have, you know, just the more ideal body shape, whatever society deems at the moment is ideal. So um, and well, you have to kind of keep that in mind. I wanted to ask too, um, you know, I, I don't know if this is a conversation in the personal trainer network, but strength comes in many different body types. Uh, there's, I've seen, you know, some influencers that are like plus size and they do yoga. And I, I wonder if that is a conversation in, in the personal trainer network, or if you've seen people, um, you know, if you've if you've seen success in different body types, because I do feel like that conversation is hopefully changing a little bit, but I understand that it's probably difficult to break through that. So I, I'm just not sure if it's like if someone that does maybe look a little bigger, but um, they, you know, they are, in, they have incredible routines and they're very strong and it's like, they want to share that with other people. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe just talk about it because I don't want to I don't want to have this like, can they be successful? Because obviously they can, but I just don't know what the environment is Mm -hmm. in the personal trainer network on that topic. Yeah, Um, it is something that I, I when I get younger clients, especially where their goal is mostly for aesthetics you know, mm-hmm. right. it does break my heart a little bit when all I hear is I just want my, you know, thighs to be a little skinnier. I want my butt to be a little bit bigger and so on and so forth. And I'm just, I just want to hand them like a philosophy of beauty book and be like, please just 
see this, like understand that these things shift. It's all from Western ideals. It's not, especially because if they're, if they're from like another culture, right. Where yeah, they're just, yeah. their body's just not built. However, whatever the dominant culture is ruling at the moment and whatever the ideal that other, I don't know, fashion decides to say like, this yeah, is what you should look like. Stuff. Yeah. The trend and trends are shifting so much even more now. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. mm-hmm. So this is my way of doing it because I've definitely done this before. So I go, yes, we're going to do this. I'm going to do, we're going to do everything you just said. Um, but the way to do it. And then I, and this part is true is like, I explain we want to put on some more muscle, right? You know, the, the word toning is not a real thing, but we were going to put mm. on more muscle. I'll use toning if they get scared at putting on muscle. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just so you can actually control the shape that you wish to achieve. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then they go, okay, cool. So we go and it's like, it's like slow, good guy brainwashing. I like to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like working with them and I'm like, I have an hour with this girl, like maybe one or two times a week. And I'm going to like, just empower her like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh-huh. so we start, we get them to lift weights. Um, in the beginning, it's probably a, a little bit more um, uh, intensive, like cardio intensive. Cause that's usually what they imagine they need to do. Mm-hmm. But then I slowly shift them as we go uh, kind of like hopefully without them noticing too much. And as they start mm-hmm. lifting heavier and heavier, you just see them change. And it's so cool because they, they realize like, Oh, I feel so capable. I feel grounded. Mm-hmm. I feel strong. And suddenly like their goals go from, I want to shrink to this size to, I want to lift this number instead. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yes, yes. Yeah. And you're like, gotta be such okay. a good feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they feel so, they just feel so good. You know, so, and they feel healthy and just naturally, they just, they feel like they can take care of themselves a lot better and they, and they can stand up for themselves, which, which kind of comes from, I guess, like, yes, you're lifting weights, so you're also getting stronger, but also just the idea of I'm putting in all this work and Mm -hmm. I'm seeing, I'm feeling the outcome of it. Um, So over time, they... It, it takes a long time because, you know, you spent your whole life getting these messages, but you try your best to let them know, like, no, there's other ways. You, you don't need this. Um, yeah. And But just, at the same time, you probably can't say, like, no, you can't. Like, because I, I had a pretty rough experience with a personal trainer when I was in my 20s. Uh, oh. They, it was at, like, one of those 24-hour fitnesses, and they had me with this amazing gal for my free session she was so awesome. It's like, yeah, give me, but I'm going to buy 10 classes. And I didn't have a ton of money at that time. So it was an investment. And they threw me with this dude and he, he would just kind of like fuck off half the time. Like he'd be like, okay, start doing this. And he would just walk away. And at one point he was like, so how much do you weigh this? And he said an amount that was 10 pounds heavier than where I was. And I was already, and I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And I, um, and I, uh, I went and I was like, I want a refund. And they're like, no, because it's a gym. And I was like, okay, well then I want you to put me with a female trainer or give me that trainer that I had. And they were like, no. And I was like, and they eventually like got me a great trainer, but I remember just feeling so it's actually a really vulnerable place to be putting yourself in front of someone to say, Hey, for whatever reason I'm here and I'd like you to help me. 
Yeah. And uh, and th- that can go uh, really poorly. So like if someone wants to do something and they don't feel like they're being heard, yeah, that, that sounds like it's, uh, you know, not in your favor. And also your job as a trainer is to like maintain clientele. Mm-hmm. So gosh, this is like a, a much more social. I knew it had to be somewhat like social, of course, but this is a much more social career than I was realizing. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I so sorry you got such a bad trainer. I would <laughs> I was just thinking like my group of trainers that I kind of hired on at 24, they would never do that. I I like I was <laughs> I would I was talking to them from the beginning cuz you you want to understand why they're in this. Yeah. Right? What right. is driving you every day to want to work with other people and help them reach their goals? The second thing is um Yes, your job is to listen to them, but often what they say is not always what they want. Mm-hmm. So, and that that was something mm-hmm. I had to learn over time. Like when someone comes in and they want to lose weight, it's it, depending if it if it's like for health reasons, I totally understand and and we do it, but most of the time it's not because they they want to lose weight. They want to feel better about who right. they are. There's mm-hmm. something that they feel uncomfortable. Maybe they're slightly disassociated with their body because, because something else they're carrying other baggage and they're just, it, maybe it just manifested in, in as a, as their eating habits or their, or their um, exercise habits. So there's other ways around it. And then sometimes when they ask you ask for a goal, I always like to try to pinpoint a goal and by goal, I mean like a, like a specific skill, like a push up or a pull up. So you're not mm. so driven towards the scale because the scale will right, always fluctuate, right. you know, especially that monthly visitor <laughs> always coming in. It's just, it can mess with your head, especially if you're already kind of uh, so emotionally attached to that number. So I try to always have them focus on something that is a little more concrete, like getting that skill or whatever. And I had one client and this is a much older client. She was, she's 80 something and she was losing a lot of motivation because uh, she had double knee surgery, we had managed to rehab her knees back. She was able to walk again, and and she felt great. But I could tell when I was talking to her, and I, this is definitely your job as a trainer. When you see them every day, and you ask them, "How are you?" You got to listen to them when they say "good," because good doesn't always mean good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll tell you good because they want to make you happy. You know, right? They, yeah. Again, like when you're being vulnerable, they they want to say what you would probably like to hear. And even if they're like, "I'm okay." They're not going to really expend on it more unless you draw it out of them. So I was I was talking to her over a couple sessions, and I remember she would just tell me stories about how uh, she used to go biking a lot with her late husband, and like it came up a couple times, and we'd be working out, and then finally I remember one day I was like, "Why don't we get you biking again?" And she looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, "Well, not a two wheeler, <laughs> not a two wheeler, but like on a tricycle, <laughs> you know." <laughs> And she, but she lit up. She was like, really? You think? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, my son is planning to buy me a tricycle, actually. I was like, yeah, (gasps) let's, let's start it. And, and so it it gave her so much more motivation. Suddenly she had a goal. We found a new goal and it was a goal she didn't know she needed. So, Hmm. and she did. She eventually, I almost cried. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm almost crying now. But in this whole process though, and it, it really is different for the age group you're in when the older you get, it, it takes a lot more time to, to get to your goals. Cause it, again, just the way you build muscle, the way you assimilate protein, it, it's, it's a lot slower. So this was like over a span of like two, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, so wow. it, it was a long time. 
Um, but yeah, so it's just, I, I forget what the original question was, but yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of did too, but that made me think. <laughs> I, um, I, have a, I have a follow-up question. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you had mentioned um, kind of like, you know, uh, genetics and like um, people's eating habits, diets, like protein intake and all that kind of stuff. How much is nutrition part of the job? Like, you, you know what I mean? Like there's personal training doing like the, the like lifting weights and like doing stuff like that. But um, how much do you kind of help people with help their your clients with diet? So this is a slightly dicey question because as a trainer, yeah. you're not a registered dietitian. Right. So you're you're not allowed to give prescribed meal plans. Got yeah, it. So it not- mostly doesn't come up or like do you like Oh no, it comes up, but I'm I'm just saying um what I can and cannot do and uh, right. and you, so yes, I'm not allowed to give prescribed meal plans especially if they have uh, some kind of chronic illness or something. Right. Uh, right. But what I can do is make suggestions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, but not every trainer, this is a hard one because some trainers believe in, and trainers are guilty of this as well as clients too, where you tried that one diet a couple years ago, it worked really well for you. And now you uh-huh. think that diet will <laughs> always work for you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So sometimes trainers do the same thing where, and these are like newer trainers where, well, this worked for me, so I believe it will work for you. And that's so uh, not true, right? You have to, yeah. every, every body is very different, uh, but you can make some recommendations. Like generally speaking, there are some kind of principles that always work, like eating enough protein. But within that, some people digest protein very differently. Some people have dietary restrictions. Um, some people are vegan or, or, or whatnot. So your job as the trainer is like, let me just try to help you more. Let me give you more information and then you to help you make the best informed decision when it comes to nutrition. That's, that's so wild because like now I'm, I'm saying like you, you are kind of expected to be an expert on the body. You are kind of expected to be an expert on fitness and partially even nutrition um, and how it factors into fitness but then you're also kind of like, like almost like a therapist. I was going to say that I, it feels like you're a body therapist. I know. But for the mind too. Before the mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, wow. Like, do you, I know how much you study kind of like the technical, like um, the, the, just cause you know, you and I've talked offline about this, about like, you know, like how you're, you're reading up on all this and researching all this and learning about like, you know, how the body works. But like, do you ever read up on like, like, I don't know, like talking to people about like what their, the root of their problems are kind of like that example with the, the woman and the bicycle, like digging in to kind of figure out what that goal is for them. Like, do you research that too? I didn't research that for training that actually I did a lot for writing. (laughs) So I... It works out quite well, both like things I enjoy. I joke that all I do is watch people for a living. I just mm. like to watch people. <laughs> so in I'm that creepy way. Creepy, yeah. <laughs> but um, but that's really what I'm doing. I, I I watch how they move and I try to help them move better. And then in terms of the writing side, you know, everyone has their own internalized thoughts that they don't actually express versus what they actually say out loud. 
Right. And it's always fun for me to try to read the body language and, and, and their voice and tone and, and all that kind of stuff. So that one's just kind of like a personal joy <laughs> uh-huh. like doing. Um, I, but overall, uh, it does, it does really help. And I think uh, anyone worth their salt as a trainer kind of naturally enjoys that anyways, as like, you have to be empathetic. That's, that's right. kind of the key part of it all. Yeah, that seems like the difference between being able to personally keep your own body, you know, where you want it to be at versus being able to help others get their body to the where they mm-hmm. want it to be at. You have right. to have that ability to read people and interact. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually over the shutdown, and this was the first time that's ever happened to me, where I had multiple sessions with different people where we didn't train at all. We went in and either in person or remote, depending at the time period of the shutdown, um, we would just sit and just chat the hmm. whole time because I, mm. I would get them started. Usually some movement usually gets them out of whatever funk they're in or if they're stressed mm. out. But you can tell as they're moving that they're they're just not there. Their body's just completely separated from their mind and and you need to address what's going on the little storm in their head first. And sometimes it only takes like 10, 15 minutes. And other times you talk the whole time. And this is keeping in mind, like a lot of my, my specialties in general, um, I, I usually train older clients. So we call them active agers and, uh, and like, I like perinatal clients too. So pregnant clients. And then I like kids as well. That's why I do the gymnastics thing. Um, usually wow. when they're like 20 or 30, they're very healthy and they don't need someone like me. Although I love training that age group too, but a lot of trainers can do that. I, I like the little, little the, the kind of peripheries. <laughs> you like yeah. the challenge. I like the challenge because it, it requires yeah. a, a slightly different type of approach and it's just very fascinating for me. But wow. so- have- Huh. Sorry, have you ever trained like a a gym bro type guy, like a finance? Bro oh my type gosh! Guy? Okay, I got stories for that, but let me just okay. finish this <laughs> So, um, but like, so most of my clients are usually at least sixty plus, and uh, a lot of them are, they're all female. They ha- I I like working with females, and uh, usually they've outlived their husbands. Mm. So, they are women, widowed women who usually live alone. And then they usually have their whole community and they had a whole routine and then the shutdown happened and now they're trapped at home. And I would usually see them either uh, remote or we would train outside if they're close enough, we would just train outside. So um, they could, I could at least see them in person, Mm -hmm. but you could see it. The, the amount of stress and just the isolation takes over. Like for some, like I'm, I'm sure we all felt it. We felt it in our bodies. We felt it in our minds. But when you're ready, like 70, the degradation of their body is so much faster. Mm-hmm. Like what is what we skip, like maybe one or two weeks of like bad sleep and bad training and bad diet. Like we can kind of bounce back from it pretty quickly. But for them, that's that's a huge one. That would take like a month instead, a month and a half oh. to come back from. So uh, it, it, it was really hard, you know, just listening and, and you could just they would say to you and over time, it's not like they'd tell it to you immediately, but you could hear it in their voice when you go in, you're like, how are you doing today? And they're just like, or I'd be like, what did you do this weekend from someone who used to do something every weekend? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, I just, I'm like, it's just the weekends are the hardest. Cause it's just me alone in this house. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so, so yeah. So some sessions during the shutdown were not even physical, just purely just chatting. Wow. Yeah. 
Whoa. Okay, so we need to go back to the Jimbro question. Oh yeah. But I have a I have a question after that too. <laughs> okay. So uh, not that I have anything against Jimbros, but I of course I have the freedom to choose my clients, so I feel very lucky. And there's a reason why I don't train men between twenty and thirty and forty. Mm. <laughs> um, I've met enough. I think uh, Gen Z has been pretty good. I've trained a couple oh. Gen Z guys, and they are phenomenal. so much more open about being taking uh, instruction and advice from a female. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then there are some, and this has happened multiple times when I was at 24, I would get them and I would train them for a little bit, and you would get resistance immediately. So mm. oftentimes, like, let's go do like a deadlift, for example, and they're just trying to prove to you how much they can lift. <laughs> and I'm like, like, that's cool. You don't need to impress me. You already paid me. I'm here to get you stronger. And I'm like pointing out like, you know, you could work on this form and technique a little bit. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And they like kind of fix it. But clearly that weight is too much for that little like shift in that technique and the correction. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I have them take off weight. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't need to though. I know you don't need to. But for if you want to keep progressing without, you know, accruing injury, this is the best method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just back and forth. So we could get so much done in an hour and this is just taking half my time. Or I try oh. to get them to do more mobility work, which is also very important, you know. Uh, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's and especially for like the very stereotypical gym bro, no mobility work. Walk in like every day's bench press day. Yeah. So Yikes. And, Yikes. Um, and so I'm trying to get them and they're like saying like no it doesn't work like that. My muscles are too tight. Like as if it's a good thing. Like like they're just oh so big God. and swollen. <laughs> and I am oh just I'm trying so hard to be professional and not like smack them in the face be like like who are you trying to impress? Like I don't care. Like all I see here is lean body mass. I don't even see you right now. You've lost humanity in my like view. So like I'm just trying my best to get you to move better. And what I often do though by that point, because I I'm just I, I'm like, I'm not dealing with this. It's not worth my time. And I know he's not enjoying it either, is I always <laughs> I give them the really nice spiel. I go, you know what? I have found an even better trainer for you. Oh. <laughs> and aww. I usually pass them off to another guy, usually a male trainer, who's just as big as they are. Uh-huh. Um, and and then they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm like, you know why? Because like, I I just think you do better. Like, you guys have much more similar goals. You have better, like, you relate to each other better. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe. And they're kind of like, but I like it with you. I'm like, why do you like trading with me? I, all I do is just, we like feel like we fight all the time. And um, so I hand them up, and immediately it's just it's just so much better. Because when that trainer gives the same cue that I did, they take it. Because it's coming from right. another six foot five, two hundred something pound guy, and it really is very annoying. <laughs> you can hear it like in my like voice. they would <laughs> like they'll actually do the mobility stuff. They'll do all of it because they're like, oh yeah, because if he's doing it, then oh. I, I probably can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Versus like me, who looks very petite next to them, they're just like, well, no, like I don't need it. I'm like, no, you do. <laughs> so, so yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I've had definitely enough of those. But, you know, arguably some women are like that, too. Um, So, Uh, uh, yeah, I think I had kind of similar on the other side where 
you know, I was told like, okay, we're going to, you know, build muscle. And I, it was in my twenties. I was like, no, I want to tone it. Mm-hmm. And it was coming from like a more buff guy. And I was like, of course you think I should build muscle. I don't want to look <laughs> like you. And, but I mean, I, I like, I understand it better now, but I, that's kind of a, a hard nut to crack to, yeah. you know, separate kind of what you're seeing and what you're asking someone to do. Yeah. The, that latter one, again, comes from more of misinformation, right? Sure. What, what, mm-hmm. what we're scared. Now, I every faux pas of fitness that has existed, I probably have done it. I probably, mm. that's why, like, that's why, like, <laughs> I, I will tell, I will tell, like, my female client in front, like, while we're still signing her, I'm like, don't worry. I made every single mistake, so you didn't have to. Like, <laughs> I did the Shakeology. I did the boot camp. I did the, I did a heavy cardio bunny, fasting eating 800 calories like everything you can imagine I'm like I did cabbage soup diet oh <laughs> wait one. shakeology was that the shake weight thing no that's the like the powder you get to replace your meals and they had like oh. different um boot camp video uh cds you could buy dvds and you would put them in and you did like I don't know like 45 minutes of just tearing up your body <laughs> just oh jumping God. around so yes definitely have done all that and and that's why I'm like that's why I'm here because it didn't work. <laughs> I want it you to. <laughs> I want someone to come in and you like give them the whole spiel and then you hand them one of those shake weights and it's like okay now just slam on this for the next forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna piss off. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the, just trying to get into their head. Like you don't want to be sore the next day if you don't have to be. Live another mm. day to have again feel really good after your workout, you know, instead you of just end it there, up. live another day, <laughs> live another day. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just try. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're coming up to time. So we're going to do a okay. couple more kind of like uh rapid fire. Joyce, I know you had a question. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You go first. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to change gears a little bit for people who want to get into this. Mm-hmm. Um, what would, you, what any sort of words of advice? Uh, you could get a certification. I do recommend that if you wish to work in a gym. You don't have mm-hmm. to, but it does kind of help. Second one is just practice. Practice, practice, practice. Go to a big box gym and just start training every single person you possibly can. Mm. That's the fastest way. It's kind of like your uh it's like that internship at Devil Wars Prada. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that. You know, <laughs> you work Ugh. with a bunch of people you don't want to work with to find out the people you do want to work. And that's how you find out the demographics you like to work with too. Oh, yeah, interesting. interesting. Okay, Jen, shoot. Okay. Um, what is a week like for a personal trainer? Um, I can tell you my week, generally. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I can give you a little bit. So when I worked at a big box gym, I was the fitness manager and a trainer. So that's kind of your n- more natural eight to 10 hour day. So you'd go in usually, and you can decide your own hours, fortunately. So let's just say 9 a.m., go in usually train four to five sessions. So that's like four to five hours. And then you would do kind of your um, paperwork after that or other Mm. work. So meaning helping other trainers, developing them for the rest of the day, or you still also had to feel like, you know, there are budgets you have to meet and goals. So you have to fill out all the paperwork and and tell tell them how you plan to meet those goals. You have your staff meetings with the general manager and the, and the, um, it's been a while now. I forgot the other names, operation manager. Yeah. So 
and general managers like the whole gym operation manager think of more just like how the gym is run like in terms of like the the memberships and and that kind of stuff um and then but that was at the big box gym now then mm. the independent trainer uh my days are very varied but i'm a i'm a complete night owl so uh, okay. I go to bed at like two or three in the morning. So I am not the trainer that trains someone at 5 a.m. Like I'm so happy <laughs> mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they do that, but I'm not that. I'm the trainer who trains you at 11 a.m. I start at lunch. <laughs> so, um, but I end really late for yeah. that same reason. Mm-hmm. So I usually train people like through lunch. And then because of the demographic I typically train, they're usually f- more free. So it's not always their lunch breaks or dinner breaks. So I will usually train like 11, let's say 11 a.m. and a 12.30. Then usually I'll train myself uh, during that early afternoon. And then I will go train like one or two more people and then do a group class or my gymnastics coaching. And usually my day ends at like 8 p.m. So okay. something like that. Yeah. Not again, not every day is like that, but right. it, it depends. Yeah. So Got it. Um, okay. Next question is... What's your favorite part about your job and what's your least favorite part about mm. your job? Favorite part is just meeting all the really cool people. So, like when nothing against working in at Workday uh, when I was in uh, tech, but it was, you got to meet a lot of uh, cool people. Everyone was so much fun. Everyone was so much nice and mature, generally speaking, but they all usually came from kind of more well-educated backgrounds, like similar backgrounds that you're from. In, into mm-hmm. there but mm-hmm. when I was working at like different gyms so many different types of people just mm. like I I remember and some people who are so entitled you're like how do you exist in this world and the other people who are so incredibly kind who have so little and and they're still trying to give you like homemade homemade like gifts or goods and you're just like oh mm. my gosh you love me so much <laughs> um, <laughs> so just just every type of person that's like the most fun part like the i would never have that opportunity um least favorite um gym bros yeah well i don't train them fortunately oh that's right right. you (laughs) just yeah you just well my least favorite part is also the part that i love the most it's Mm. it's also having to be on all the time because they they Mm -hmm. pay me for the hour hour plus right I can't, it's not like I can log into a meeting and kind of be doing other stuff sometimes like off screen, right? I have to be on for that whole hour or, or however long. So meaning the second I greet you, I am with you the whole way until the end of the hour. And I'm doing Mm -hmm. that four or five times a day. And it is, Mm -hmm. and by the time the end of the night, like I'm just dead. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't remember anything anymore. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I love if it. Anything, and hate it. Well, because you were mentioning uh, Andrea's episode, mm-hmm. uh, she said that she's an introvert. Are you an introvert or an oh, extrovert? I'm, I'm like full a happy on. hermit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that all these introverts are in positions of being on all dang day. <laughs> yeah, like that seems very. That feels really hard, um, but. It sounds like, especially with both of these types of career paths, it seems like very meaningful interactions while you're on. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the, like the footnote for a lot of introverts. Like we actually mm. really like interacting with people, but we want it to be worth the time. We want mm. to feel like we learned something about you 
and and we contributed something. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's a great place to end it. Um, I also have to say, I don't know if you're still writing, but you say things in a very beautiful way. Like (laughs) you you. you speak kind of like how I imagine things could be written. So I don't know, you know, where you're at with that, but I can can see the writer. I do still write. It's just just on the side. (laughs) Good. I'll send you my uh, fanfic that I'm working on. I, I swear, like I, when I'm interviewing for jobs, I shouldn't say this on the podcast. When I'm interviewing for jobs, I'm like, yeah, I'm working on some personal projects. And I'm like, I really need to crank out this fanfic before I take a job just to be like, yep, this is what I did. What a fanfic of? It's a Harry Potter one. Nice. <laughs> and it's probably, um, is Snape it's pro- the main character. No, oh, no, oh. but everyone thinks that. No, it is. I will say it, it's a Hermione and Draco fanfic, though. Okay, it's okay, Hermione. I'm all for that. You know, everyone, of course, yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> totally, totally. A Hermione head over here. Yes. Oh man, <laughs> their repartee would be crazy. Like they'd be so witty together. Oh my god! And also, it's like, why did Hermione end up with that dum dum? <laughs> Uh, Ron, Ron. Know, and like it was she kind of forced, right? It was forced, <laughs> and then they make him so two dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I read a bunch of the fanfics like right when I was quitting, and I have one that I'm writing. Um, and uh, I am probably never gonna finish it, but <laughs> it's not super, it's not smutty, it's not smutty. Okay, I don't think okay. I can write that yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I only just got around to writing like more smutty stuff myself. Like Ooh. I had to make a journal entry about it. I'm like, Sybil, why why are you holding back on this? Like, like, come on. You're like a 30 plus year old woman. You can do this. I feel like the dialogue when I write is like, he touched her boobies softly. <laughs> like well, depending on the age they are. You know? like, Do what, we like, need to edit this out or not? No, I think I need this. <laughs> I need to put this in. All right. I always well, think uh, of the, your bosom heaved. That's all oh, I'm yeah. thinking. Oh, well, like the 10 things I hate about you, uh, where his uh, his quivering member. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Dear God. Okay. Sorry. Uh, too much fun. <laughs> no, no, no. This is great. Sybil, thank you so much again. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you guys in just a second. And we're back. Uh, We just wrapped up our conversation with Sybil Lamb, who is a personal trainer. And wowie, wee, wow. Wow, wee, wow, wow, wee, wow. Wow, wow, wee, wow. Mm-hmm. That was great. That was, yeah. I mean, like, I've known Sybil f- since high school. And oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, we talk a lot about this. And actually, she's, I'm, I'm spoiled because I have her as a personal trainer, too. Oh. Um, but, like, I didn't know how much, I thought she was just, like, you know, like, like, part-time therapist for me because we've been friends for so long. You know, but, yeah. But after but, this conversation, you're like, oh wait, oh wait, yeah. <laughs> like it, it feels like therapy. It's it's so much. Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, and it's so fascinating how it's connected to her writing as well. Yeah, I want to read her writing. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, I feel like you guys, you guys on that fanfic, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got to figure out what my uh, my writer's name will be when I release fanfics. Oh, oh, yeah, like a pseudonym. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll just do my married name. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding uh my my mother-in-law she's joked because i do stand up she's like do you um when i tell her about the effed up stuff i talk about she's like do you use your um married name when you do this joke about how you're gonna kill people if they don't get vaccinated and i'm like no i don't <laughs> um um well um in the uh in the podcast notes and in our instagram which by the Hey, follow our Instagram. We just got a brand new friggin' Instagram. Yep, yep. It is. So what do you do, pod? Um, that's right, at in, that's right. at Instagram.com. Um, that's a <laughs> subsidiary of Facebook. Meta. Um, uh, beta. Fuck. Meta. <laughs> oh, meta. <laughs> Meta's in beta mode. Um, and Beta O'Rourke is running for governor, uh, I think. I heard. Um, but uh, check out our Instagram. And then we will also link uh, to Sybil's uh, Instagram if you want to check her out, uh, see her do cool things uh, where she's clearly stronger than um, most people. Yeah, she also has um, a lot of good like upcoming content about like you know myths to dispel and like tips oh. and tricks and stuff like that too. So I got excited that it was just like general myths and like oh. maybe conspiracies. I- <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. Um, all right. Well, I think that's it for today. A eh, Joyce. A hey, <laughs> Okay. Until next time. This is Jen. And this is Joyce. We'll this see, is you next time. see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>